good morning, Anthem Church. We are finishing out our series, The Stewarded Life, this morning. And throughout this series, we've been examining the different areas of life that God has called us to exercise responsibility in, to steward, to cultivate, to lead, to invest in intentionally for His glory and our joy. And this morning, what we're going to be doing is answering the question, uh, what do I do with this? Uh, where, what is my next step? Practically, how do I respond to this? But before I dive into that, I should first say, it's good to be back with you guys. Yeah. So some of you guys are probably looking at me going like, who's that guy? Uh, because I've been gone for six weeks uh, on a study, uh, intensive a study sabbatical, uh, which means we've had as a family, a ton of intentional time with one another, um, and we're incredibly grateful for the time that we had. It was a lot of family time, a lot of slowing down, uh, a, a little bit of vacation time here and there, and then also, for me, a lot of just time to, to slowly study God's Word, kind of just wait before the Lord and allow Him to lead and, and to guide that, that time. And and, and, you know, it, it was very, my wife Lauren and I realized it was very, it was very timely for us as a family. Uh, we, we have a, a, a four, a six, and a nine-year-old. And one of the things that really hit us during this time is how fast our kids are growing up. And so we, we got to do a lot of stuff this summer, but one of our, we had like these different milestones, these different goals. Um, I like to like coach my kids, like daddy's going to be home, we're going to do something, right? Uh, and so when we, we had these goals for like riding bikes and swimming, which now all my kids can ride their bikes on their own. So I, uh, I told Lauren, I was like, I should warn the church, Calvin Dennings is coming to a cul-de-sac near you. So, <laughs> so watch out. Uh, he's, he's autonomous. He's out there. Uh, but what really where it hit me uh, how the kids are growing up was uh, we, we love, we did a, a copious amounts of story time. I, I love reading with the kids, and, and usually when we're reading, we do a lot of kind of like dramatic, you know, kind of embellish on the stories as we're going through them. And, and I want to bring out an oldie but a goldie of the three little pigs, right? You guys all know the three little pigs, right? I don't have to rehearse it, right? So there's, there's the, 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 the three little pigs set out to build a life, and they all build a house, and the first pig builds it from straw, right? And then, and then what I would do is I would turn to the kids, and I would be like, and then the wolf comes, and he huffs, and he puffs, and he blows, right? And I'd like with my four-year, I'd like put my face into her belly, and, like, and she's like, ah, ha, ha, daddy, right? So then now comes the pig that builds the house of sticks. And so I'm like, and, and then the wolf comes, and he huffs, and he puffs, and he blows. And i like with my son, I get down, my six-year-old, I get down in his belly and do that, ha, ha, oh, ha, ha, daddy, right? And, and, then, and then it comes where, as I'm doing this story, then I try to turn and to my nine-year-old, and, and I'm like, and he hops, and he pops, and he blows. And my nine-year-old just looks at me and goes, I'm nine years old, right? <laughs> they grow up so fast, right? We had all that time to slow down, and, and one, one of the, th the reasons why I share that is because I, I want to start with something that's actually true of the story of the, th of the three little pigs. And sorry if that seems like, oh, we're going to kids' stories as we start off. I spent the last six weeks with kids, okay? So, <laughs> Be because here's the thing. While we may feel that we, we kind of grow out of that fable, that story, yet there's a principle, as I was reflecting on it, that's at the heart of that story that we never 
actually grow out of. And, and it's actually the principle, as we're capping off this series, that's been at the heart of this series the entire time. That we must be wise. We must be intentional in what we build our lives with. There, there's a lot of serious wisdom, actually, in that story, and it's, it's a serious wisdom that matters what we build our lives with, or else something is going to come along eventually. It's not a question of if, but when, and it will huff and puff, and it will blow the life that you've built down. Because here's the thing, as what Scripture reveals, is that there, there is a wolf. His name is the devil, and he prowls around like a roaring lion, and he will huff and he will puff, and he will blow your house down if it's built of straw or it's built of sticks. And so we must build with something stronger, with bricks. It captures the dynamic that we want to finish with in this series of the steward life. We've been, we've been looking at all these practical areas and teaching biblically from what does it mean, what, what's God's purpose and design for a marriage, for a career, for, for recreation, for our spiritual lives, our emotional lives. We've hit all these things, friendships. We've tried to keep it really practical, and now the question is, which areas will you invest in? In other words, which area of your life is God calling you to lay down the bricks? And the question is as well, how do you know you're building with bricks? It's why we're looking at Psalm 127. It, the psalm uses this, this metaphor of building a house. It's a metaphor for also not only building a house, but also building a life. See, the author, if you look at the beginning, if you have your Bibles open, Psalm 127, it says a song of a sense of Solomon. This means that Solomon from the Old Testament, the king, the son of David, would have written this. And it's very fitting. Some wonder whether Solomon actually wrote this or not, but it's very fitting that it would be Solomon who wrote this because, see, Solomon was tasked with building the house of God, the temple. It became the biggest, the whole work of his life, the legacy of his life. And so you can imagine that for Solomon, this picture of building a house becomes synonymous with the whole of what it looks like to build a life and how to do that intentionally. And what we see in this psalm is the wisdom that Solomon gives us. He says, be careful what you build with. Make sure how you build is wise. And Solomon says not to make sure it's not built with straw or with sticks, but with bricks. And so we're going to look first at the house of straw. Then Solomon's going to walk us through the house of sticks. And finally, we're going to look at how do we build and begin laying down the bricks of a house of bricks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we desire... Lord, to build lives that are honoring to you. Lord, we, we, we desire to build lives that just, they stand the test of time. They stand in the midst of temptation. They stand in the midst of whatever circumstances come our way. Even the lives that we build, Lord, that they would have significance beyond even death. Lord, we need your wisdom. Lord, we need your guidance. And Lord, would you, Spirit, 
for each of us here today, wherever, whether it's reeling a house of sticks or of straw, or whether it's just the encouragement to continue laying down the bricks, Lord, would you point us to what is next and how to do that in a way that's dependent upon you and honoring to you? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a house of straw. Look at verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Solomon says there's a kind of building of a life, the construction of a life that is overly confident in ourselves. We could say self-sufficient, that we can go it alone. Another way we might think of this is that we can, we can build our lives, that we can kind of run off based on our own talent, our own skills, our, our own ability to predict and anticipate the future, our own resources, our own force of personality. But this verse very clearly, and you see this all throughout Scripture, what Solomon learned, and remember Solomon, I don't have time as much to go back and unpack Solomon's life, but Solomon was the wisest man in the world. He also apparently was the most handsome man in the world. That's a nice resource, right? He had all the resources. He was in the lineage of Israel's kings, all of that. And he learned this very lesson, that he couldn't go on, it, on his own. And here's the thing, if Solomon couldn't, then neither can we. If we build a life, our careers, our families, our wealth, our, our habits, our emotional, our spiritual, our physical life, if we build these things, the Hebrew literally translates like this in verse 1. It says, we have toiled for nothing. That, that the efforts that we put in, while they may in the moment seem to stand, they stand like straw. They're actually very flimsy. And eventually, the circumstances of life, the enemy, death, will huff and puff and blow it down. Gone. Now, one thing I should say here is the key to what Solomon is saying is not that hard work, effort, labor should, should be diminished or kind of downplayed in any way. That's not at all what this psalm is saying. Rather, the key to Solomon's wisdom is that our attitude towards God is the focus. Our attitude towards God, how we relate to God in the midst of the building is what Solomon is focusing on here. Then from there, he's saying, work hard. Spend your life, pour your life out, give yourself to the work that God has called you to. He's not diminishing that, but he's saying, as you do that, check your attitude in relation to the Lord as you do so. In other words, we should seek God's wisdom and not try to build our lives on our own self-sufficiency. We should seek the Lord as we go. Let me put some flesh on this. I, I remember when this really, and, and there's always a point in our lives, right, where we realize, I have to, like, build a life. I have to make a way, right? Some of you are, like, going to your freshman or sophomore year of college, and you're like, oh, I do, right? <laughs> right now, you're having a crisis moment. I remember this really hit me about my sophomore year of college. Really, the weight of this began to land on me. And, and, and so, because I'm, I'm kind of a, uh, I'm a doer. I want to say, like, I'm a planner, but I'm not a planner. I'm more of a schemer. Uh, but I remember I started scheming, and I started putting together this plan of, like, what am I going to do this year and next summer? And, and, I, and I kind of developed this entire, mapped it all out. 
And I had all these, like, the internships lined up, and I had all this ready to go, and I kind of had two career fields. It was like either essentially be an educator or going to law in order to go into politics because I'm a schemer. And I, I was like one of these two, and I remember I developed this grand plan. And, 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 I, was, and I brought it to uh, my discipler, my mentor. And we sat down, we were looking at it, and I thought, I'm going to like spell this all out. And it's like, you know, it's one of those where it's like not even like on a sheet of paper. It's like the sheet of paper that unfolds and then unfolds and unfolds. And then ta-da, I'm like 65 and I'm a multi-billionaire, right, and all this. And I expected him to be like, wow, this is why I love leading you, right? Uh, but instead, my disciple sat back and he just got, I remember he kind of sat back. He's like, hmm. Uh, and he said, have you ever, and this floored me. I was a pretty young believer at that point. I was only about really a year in. And he, he said, have you ever considered in this process what the Lord's plan for your life might be? Like, have, he, he said, what I mean is, like, have you brought this before the Lord? Have you prayed to the Lord? I remember when he said that, it was like, I remember I said, maybe. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, yeah, you, you, you should do that. That's his only response to my big grand plan. He said, you, you really should do that. And, and so I, I took his advice to heart. His name was Brian. He had many moments like that that changed my life. But, but long story short, within a week, God had completely changed my life. As I actually brought, I remember I literally, he, he coached me to like lay it before the Lord and, and like kind of do the unfolding, right? Like, here, Lord, here's what I have, and kind of lay it before me and go, but Lord, I'm asking, is this your will for my life? Is this where you would guide me? Is this, are these the next steps? As Psalm 16, 9 says, a man plans away in his heart, but the Lord establishes his steps. Are these the next steps? Are you going to establish these steps, or am I going to spend my entire life working against you? And it, it just through that week, as hard as it is to describe, it's just in that spirit-led fashion that the Lord impressed upon me. No, in long story short, he actually directed me instead of this internship to go to the coastline last minute to be with a bunch of college students and do this ministry thing. And, and I'm not saying this is every, everyone's calling. This was specifically where it was key for me. And, and as I went there... The, the, what happened by the end of that summer, which I would never, it would have been circumstances I never would have been in, I never even thought of. In fact, I was trying to stiff arm them, and as the Lord put me there, actually by the end of that summer was when I actually received a call into ministry, and I met my wife, who lived in California, and I was in Ohio, and we were in New Jersey at the time. So how does that come about? Not by our planning. And, and I just share that to say not that, hey, if you bring things before the Lord, oh, then the Lord will just kind of lay it out and it'll be super simple. In the midst of it, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of just kind of, but the Lord usually establishes one step at a time as we walk in faith and dependence on him and saying, is this the next step, Lord? Is this the next step? Is this the next thing that I'm to build? But often what we do is we go it on our own. And I was ready to sprint off on my own. And what Solomon is saying is there's something in our lives where we think we can do this self-sufficiently. We think we can just do this in our own power on the weight of our force, force of personality or our talents or whatnot. We begin constructing our life without saying, Lord, what is the next thing you would have for me in terms of my family, in terms of education, in terms of my career, in terms of my finances? And say, Lord, really, so I submit this to you. You're the Lord, not me. 
What Solomon says is if we don't do that, then what happens is we begin to build a house of straw and we build and labor in vain because as soon as the huffing and puffing comes, it falls down. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Often what I'm convicted of this summer, I thought about this verse several times, oftentimes... What Proverbs 16, 3, let me read it again. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Well, the logic of this is commit your way to the Lord, your work, your building of a life. And then the Lord will establish, commit it to him. And the Lord will establish the work of your hands. We often get it backwards. I know I do. I often want to do the work of my hands. I want to do it all myself. And then I go, Lord, look, now bless it. But he says, first, commit yourself to me. Commit your way to me. Bring it before me. Seek me. Pursue my, my glory. Pursue my purposes. Pursue the wisdom of my word as you do these things and align them with it. And then, yes, I will establish the work of your hands, but you'll be committed to me that you'll know I will always have you by the hand even if it doesn't turn out the way you thought it would. But you'll never lose me. Are you building with a house of straw? Uh, the, the second, then, kind of house that Solomon goes into is a house of, we're going to call it a house of sticks. Look at the second half of verse 1. It says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So we've now gone from a house to a city. There's a little bit more stability. It's a little bit bigger. Literally, the Hebrew here says, if the Lord is not keeping the city, you, the keeper, has worked for nothing. Whereas in the first half of verse 1, Solomon addresses how we kind of start out, how we, how we kind of, our overall perspective on how we begin to build a life. The second half of verse 1 then says, then how do you maintain that life? How do you keep it? And, and here's why this is important, because perhaps for some of us, this addresses us more, where we, we've built a life, right? And it's fairly sturdy. It's not strong anymore. Sticks are better. It feels in the moment like it's got that reinforcement, like it's solid, like nothing could take it down, whether it's just financially, our possessions, our success, our acclaim, whatever it might be that has given us that sense of it, gives us that sense that we're good. And in a way, what happens is we feel like we've leveled up in life, right? Surely it's sturdier than a house of straw, but then a new issue comes up. We get through that kind of portion of life where we're like, how do we build it? And maybe there was a season we were able to build and circumstances provided the wealth and the resources to get there. Perhaps the force of your talent or personality allowed you to build it, allowed you to get there. But what happens is often once we get to that place of kind of whether we call it comfort or just stability, control, we, we kind of, it's almost like we've climbed up the God ladder and then we get there and it's kind of like, boop, don't need that anymore. And a new kind of self-sufficiency comes in. But with that, a new problem comes in. I, again, I'll just use myself as an example. As I, I've wrestled with this, as I've been thinking through even this passage this summer, but I've been wrestling with, there's a lot of heart work on a sabbatical. So the last, next few weeks are going to be me like sharing like at times like, and then the Lord did this and the Lord did this and you're going to be like, my pastor is a mess. Um, but the Lord has been doing this work, and one of the things that I realized is, that I've been wrestling with is because, I mean, I grew up, I've shared this before, I grew up, we grew up very impoverished, 
And so there was kind of something in me that was like, you got to work hard, you got to work hard, you can't miss an opportunity, you got to make the most of everything. So I was a diligent worker, I was hard, and that's a good, it's a good thing to be industrious and work hard. But there was also this part where as I developed the skills and I put in the hard work and I, 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 there's a point when now that I'm at a place in life where, yeah, now I have a beautiful family, I have a home, I have, I have a life, a career, I have relationships, all these things that are wonderful and they're great. It's very sturdy. And with it, an assumption easily creeps in. I'm, I want to say slithers in like a serpent. And this subtle assumption comes in. I did this, and if I did it, I can keep it. And see, we get to a place where I've done it, I've built it, I'm self-sufficient, and then what happens is it then becomes, I can keep it. But what Solomon says is when you come to that place of saying, I can keep it, and here's what I was finding, because I was finding again and again that, for instance, I was anxious all the time, or maybe even out of that, symptomatically what it was, was I couldn't sleep. Why? Because I'm thinking about all the things I, can, I need to control or all the things I can't control and trying to think about what's coming down the road and how do I know the future and how do I predict and how do I scheme for that and on and on and on. I think you guys know what I'm talking about here where we're trying, where's the stock market going? Where's the economy going? Where's my career field going? We're thinking about all these things and what Solomon says is because what drifts into our lives is we're building the house and we're, then we begin to try to keep it and if we do it with self-sufficiency, your life will be riddled with anxiety because here's, notice what Solomon says in this verse. Unless the Lord watches over the city, who has to watch it? You. Unless the Lord is the keeper of the city, you become the keeper of the city. So the Lord is saying, I don't want you to live with this anxiety through all of life and wondering what's going to come next, but instead to be resting in me and know that I am the Lord and I am the keeper. I am the watcher. But when we live with that like relating to the Lord in the midst of it with that perspective that it's actually all on us to maintain our lives. And again, it happens because we go, it sticks, it's sturdy, it's good, I'm good, I'm good, I, can, I, I got it from here. What the Lord says, he, here's the thing, when the Lord is the watcher, when the Lord is the keeper, the Lord doesn't sleep. The Lord knows the beginning and the end. He knows every head on, every head on your hair, every hair on your head. On and on and on, and we are not those things. But if you become the keeper and you push away the Lord and you function, you functionally must fill that. Functionally, your eyes are going to have to be up all night watching. Functionally, your emotions, your mind's going to have to be racing, trying to run out every single possible scenario and know everything. You're going to have to be trying to run it out into the future. You're going to be trying to control every situation around you to maintain it. Lord says, I don't want you to live like that. Because still what will happen is you'll maintain it, but even though it looks sturdy, eventually, eventually, if it's disconnected from me, something will huff and it'll puff and it'll blow it down. The career has gone like that. The money has gone like that. Death comes. question is, does that ring true for you? God doesn't want us to build our lives, building them of straw, building them of sticks, filled with anxiety, but we must let God be God. 
Solomon discovered this wisdom, and there's an interesting clue here to how he does. It's in the last phrase of verse 2, because he goes in and he talks about, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Right? That you can't sleep, you're anxious all the time. And then he kind of juxtaposes that and says, but for he gives to his beloved sleep. In the Hebrew, you could almost listen is almost how that reads. He gives to his beloved sleep. Now, what's interesting there when you read that term beloved is you may just read that as a generic term. Oh, that's nice. He gives to his beloved sleep. Now, it is generic in terms of it applies to all of God's beloved. But here's the thing. Solomon is inserting something here, and here's what I mean. Solomon's regal name, right, his, 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 his kingly name, his public name was Solomon. His personal name was Jedediah. In 2 Samuel, it's given to him. His personal, intimate, given name is Jedediah. Do you know what it means? Yahweh's beloved. See, what Solomon's doing here is Solomon is saying, I've, I've striven and I've worked and I've built all these things and, and I've, I've, I'm beginning to conquer and fill the known world. The whole known world is coming to me for wisdom and he could build his life and his identity on that. But what he says is the Lord gives me sleep because I am his beloved. He has made me his beloved and that personal deep reality is what I build and I labor out of. And he's saying, do you know that first and foremost, before God ever calls us to do something, God calls us something, someone, which is he desires to call us beloved. We don't add anything to the Lord. There's nothing that we're able to do on our own. He invites us into building a life. Stewardship literally means to become the owner or to, to own someone else's house. It means literally to steward God's house. He's building for us, and he's going, decorate the thing, enjoy the thing, dance, have a family, cultivate this thing, enjoy it with me because you are my beloved. why the first thing, again, God calls us to before he ever calls us to do something is he calls us beloved. It says that if we would turn from trying to save ourselves, so much of what we think of what goes wrong in this world is we're trying to save ourselves, like building a Tower of Babel, building a resume, building something that we can control, building something that seems like an ark that will save us eventually, save us from whatever it is that drives us to fear, whether it's poverty or it's loneliness or it's, it's others not respecting us, whatever it might be, we tend to build these things and work from a place of insecurity, of not knowing who we are and trying to make something of ourselves, and it's just a pseudo-salvation. What God says is, I don't want you to build for that. I want you to know that if you are willing to, by faith, look to the fact that you don't have to build your way up to heaven. I've come down from heaven in my son, in my beloved son, Jesus Christ, so that he might do the perfect work on your behalf. And when you turn to him from trying to save yourself, whether it's trying to control life, trying to Make a life so that everyone looks at you and goes, wow, so it feels like that affirmation that's at that level of salvation and righteousness, being enough. Or if it's building a life so you can kind of bury or pay off your past. Jesus says, come to me. You're heavy laden. You're trying to work this thing, work into my good pleasure. He says, if you'll come to me, see that I've done a work 
If you come to me by faith, then not only will I forgive you of your sins, but I will then exchange my righteousness and I will give it to you. And not only that, when Jesus is baptized, this is why the very first thing, we've gone over this again and again at Anthem, but it's so pivotal. The very first thing Jesus says when he starts his ministry is he's baptized the Father from heaven as the Spirit descends on him, as he comes out of the water, says, this is my Son in who I am well pleased. He is my beloved. And Jesus says when we come to him to be baptized, why? So you would be marked with that new reality coming out of the grave that God speaks over you now and says, you are my beloved. Do you know that you are the beloved of God and there is no work you can do to earn his affections, no work you can do to earn your way into his good graces? But instead he says, start with the work of my son and know you are my beloved and from there build. That will speak to a lot of the anxiety. That will speak to the fact that when you don't know what the future holds, you know the one who holds you. When, you. when you don't know what's coming next and when you're fearful, you know that the one thing I know is that the God of the universe who controls it all, he, I am his beloved. And if he would come into this world and face death and sin and darkness and vanquish it, then surely he will not abandon me. That changes fundamentally how you work. Allows you to put your head down at night knowing that the one who calls me beloved is, has his eyes open. Now, the opposite of rest, and this is key, the reason why we're trying to find salvation is because the opposite of rest in the Bible is not work. The opposite of rest and the opposite of work is not rest. The opposite of rest is not work. It's restlessness. It's this need to try to earn and find our salvation, build a life and escape and numb ourselves or whatever it may be to try to save ourselves. Anxiously doing so. But Solomon is saying that's straw, that's sticks. God wants us to build with something more solid. Let's call it bricks. House of bricks, lastly. Again, this, this psalm isn't opposed to hard work. It's opposed to foolish work. It, it's a, I mean, think about how, I, you know, when I was processing this, I'm going, man, think about how arrogant it is that we as finite creatures would actually think we can control the future. Like, we, we have this illusion that we're, we're able to really control this, and I think technology gives us some of this. It's deeply formative, but there, there are all these illusions we have, and then all it takes is one little bug, like a viral bug, or actually a bug that bites you, I guess, uh, or something that just weakens you, and it huffs and puffs, and right away your house goes down, your life goes down. God calls us to steward our lives for something that stands up in the midst of the huffing and puffing. Something that stands. And how do we begin that? We begin by laying down the most important bricks. So knowing that God has first called us beloved, he then calls us to put down the bricks. He then calls us and says, now build a life. Join with me in building a life. Be intentional with these different areas of life. And so again, throughout the series, we've been unpacking various what we call domains of life. That comes from Genesis 1, when God says, when he created us in his image, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Exercise dominion. It doesn't mean dominate, it means dominion. If you want more on that, go back to the first sermon in the series. And if you missed any of the different topics of family, work, our walk with God, our emotional health, spiritual health, physical health, all the different areas, then you could go back and you can listen to some of those sermons if they'd be helpful. Again, we've tried to be thoroughly biblical while also extremely practical. And now comes the time to say, Lord, what brick do you want me to lay down next? What is the area of life you want me to focus on? And hear this. 
one thing throughout this series we don't want you to hear is here's 10 different areas. Do them all, right? <laughs> That's going to cause a lot of anxiety. Fix them all, right? No, what it is is how do I in this season of life focus on the ones that God says are most important in this season? So two steps. We just put together, that's what's on your sheet, or on your, on your sheet. The sheet on your seat is this, and I'm going to have it on the screen. And this is just so you can take it home. It's a practical tool. But two steps, we've, we've just on here, that you could go to. One is to prioritize. The first side that has the, uh, the series graphic. Here, here's what I would do. These are the different domains, the different areas of life that we've largely carved out. Fairly comprehensive. There's one in there that you identify that's not on there. You can just put that in there. But the question is, when we're reflecting, honestly reflecting upon the Lord, how, how am I doing in this area? One to ten. Again, that first one, how am I doing in this area? One to ten. I'm, this is a two. This is a ten by God's grace. This is wherever you're at. Honestly reflecting before the Lord. Lord, where is this at? Am I building a house of straw? It may be, and you, and you might, then you rate like the priority in this season. One to ten. Okay, number one is this area, two is this area. I just got married and I'm having a kid and I'm starting my career. Maybe marriage, parenting, career. Those are ones I'm going to be figuring out over the next three years. Maybe I just got out of a season of starting a small business and I've been working my tail off for four years and now I'm in a place where I'm going, man, it's established, it's going, and I'm in a place where I might easily assume and this might become a house of sticks in my life. And so now this season of life is actually more orienting towards maybe still my career, but the focus in this season is going to be reestablishing the Lord, like bringing that back before the Lord and saying, Lord, are you really guiding this and learning what that looks like? Whatever season of life you may be in, it's something that's what I love about this is it's a tool that's designed to actually help you go, where am I right now? And here's the thing, I envision when, when coming before the Lord, and I've done this every few years since we developed this tool, and, and when I've gone before the Lord, it's just essentially that posture of Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Uh, let me ask you, when was the last time you had that posture before the Lord? Lord, here are all the areas of life, and Lord, getting on my knees and going, Lord, speak. I, I'm, I'm putting it before you. Will, you. will you change what I'm building with? Will you help me in wisdom lay down the right, lay down bricks? could be areas you're avoiding. But in other words, the big thing here is ask, what brick do I lay next? The second thing then is plan and lay the brick. So at this point, then you go, okay, this, these are the areas. I would say just cap it off at like three areas. Maybe four if you got some extra special time, but three or four areas. And really what you're doing is for this, saying, Lord, for the next year, I want to I develop then from there saying, what does it practically look like to lay down the bricks, right? It's one thing to go like, I want a better marriage. I'm going to have a better marriage. And you're like, what are you doing about that? And you're like, every now and then I just think I'm going to have a better marriage, right? Like, it's not going to get you anywhere. Like the Lord says, work, labor, lay down the bricks. Right here it's saying, follow me and do the labor. Build the house. And so on the back side of that sheet, it walks you through just a few steps, which is to identify Scripture to guide you. Lord, what's your wisdom? What does this look like? What's this area of life intended for? What does it look like to be a dad or a mom? What's it look like to steward my finances? I don't know. Find scripture passages that speak to it. Mull of those over. Then two, develop a vision statement for each of those. So where does, where's God going to have you in a year or two years? Like write that in the present tense. I'm, I'm a man who loves my wife. I'm sacrificial in leading my children. You know, things like that or with your finances, or whatever area it is. 
And, and then the third one is just to develop action steps. I think that has the measurable SMART goal. You can read through all that if you want, but it means actual measurable steps. What am I going to do? If I'm going to work on my marriage, then I'm going to maybe schedule a, a weekly or biweekly or monthly date night. I'm going to maybe find some time that I'm going to carve out to read Scripture with my spouse and develop four or five of those that are things that are like daily or weekly or monthly things that you're doing. Maybe my wife and I, when we did this about eight years ago, ever since then, we do a quarterly getaway, just the two of us. Even when we had just had kids, we figured out how. And what's beautiful now is actually we have family members. They come to us and they ask us, so where do you want to go for two days next, like in three months, we, when should we take the kids? And we're like, well, thank you for asking, right? Like it's just part of what people know we do. And it's been huge for our marriage. That came out of doing this process. It's very, here's the thing. This is what I'm, and then what I would do is I would write this down. I would grab a roommate. I grab a spouse. I grab a friend and I just say, hey, would you every now and then, can we check in, maybe grab coffee and talk about this? Maybe you do it too. And we just kind of go, how's this going? And we check in with one another. Maybe in your small group, you do this. But here's the thing, lay the bricks. If you hear nothing else, lay the bricks. If nothing else, go before the Lord and say, Lord, is this whole thing straw? Is this whole thing sticks? Lord, how do I know it's bricks? And lay them. Listen, I, here's where I'll end. I know it's simple. This, this plan is simple. It'd be easy to kind of like, okay. But the consequences of not intentionally laying the bricks, building the house in the way God is calling us to, stewarding our lives in the different domains of life, the consequences are massive. They're massive. And in our day, I'm not going to go into this, but in our day, it's much, much, much easier. The default, because you will build a life. It may be some straw hut, not real sturdy. <laughs> maybe, a, maybe of sticks, but you will build a life. It's not a question of if, but what will you build? And here's the thing, in our day and age, it is easy just to build with sticks and straw. And either number ourselves or check out from there. But the other thing that is not an if, but a when. Is that the wolf, the serpent, will come howling, he will come roaring, he will come huffing, and he will come puffing. But when he does, the reason why we've done this season, the reason why we've given you this sheet, is because we want you to have the confidence that when he does, you would be able to rest. Not be anxious about when it will come, but you would live a life where you rest because you know that the Lord has built my life. He has built this house and he's built it of bricks. So join him. Lay the next brick. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for these truths. And Lord, we just ask that you would, Spirit, wherever Whatever it is that, Lord, we need to work into our lives, would you do it? Would you guide us from here? Lord, this is just the shotgun blast of your word generally. Lord, would you take the principles and the truths and the words of your word and would you work them down into our bones? Would you work them into our lives? And Lord, will we be a people who just sense that, Lord, you are where you're calling us, what the next, even if we don't know where it is, even if it's a season of confusion, a season filled with doubt, a season filled with fogginess, Lord, will we just run to that establishing our life, our walk with you and say, Lord, if nothing else, I'm going to lay bricks here, whatever that looks like. Spirit, would you guide us? 
So that the enemy, when he huffs and he puffs, he would not be able to blow anything down. But we would hear you as you do again and again the Psalms laughing in derision at the foolishness that he thinks he could conquer your beloved. May we build and live in confidence of that reality. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.